Welcome back to Whiteout Weekly. As always, I'm Dave Barron here with my esteemed co-host, Matt Martellucci. And we find ourselves here, Matt, celebrating and sitting here with another 10-win season. So that's back-to-back, double-digit win seasons by James Franklin and co. Find ourselves in another New Year's Six Bowl. This will be the first time that Penn State finds themselves in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. And we'll get into, obviously, the matchup, uh, not this episode, but in a preceding episode. But Penn State has a unique opportunity to win every New Year's Six Bowl. This is the last one that they have not won. So that's a unique opportunity in itself. Shocked me there. I didn't know you were going to pull that out. Yeah, I'm going to whip that out on you. Very nice, very nice. But well, um, Penn State, I, I can't say that like I'm I'm too thrilled right now. Like, yeah, after watching you know six teams potentially get it, like this was the year that you know you should you could have used that twelve team playoff. Mm-hmm. It's just so annoying that just one or two games in our freaking divisions decide our season. I'm so glad it's over, but it it just stunk watching. The revealing of everything of being like, I just wish I could be a part of this. Yeah, for sure. I think it overall, like we mentioned, it's it's back to back ten win seasons. You take that, but ultimately this team plateaued. You expected them to take a leap and really build off that momentum from that Rose Bowl Rose Bowl win last year. Yep. But have a unique opportunity to go against go against a team in a very similar situation in Ole Miss, who's ranked number eleven. And they themselves also lost their two biggest games of the season to Alabama and to Georgia. So that in itself creates a pretty cool matchup here. And Penn State heading into this one. Yeah. Penn State heading into this bowl matchup, two games removed from the firing of Mike Yurcich. And the offense has found, found a little bit of a groove. So they shut out Michigan State. It's their third shutout of the season. So man is the Diaz defense holding up strong yet again. Oh wait, you saw that Iowa had uh, assistant one assistant coach of the year in the Big Ten. Not pull even the, the best. Not the even the best PC in the conference. Pull the stats that game. They got three first downs that game. I'm pretty sure that mm-hmm. we shut them out. You even just said it. Like what, what are they looking at? Not even the best BC in the conference insane dude <laughs> but man, man can't explain that one uh but drew aller on the other hand uh finger guns and all the gunslinging drew aller looking like the five-star prospect that we expected all season mm-hmm. throwing for nearly 300 yards against Mich- michigan state two tutties and showing uh continued signs of the deep ball again post mike yersich so that was some exciting signs to see and awesome to see him like you usually see him he's calm cool collected awesome to see him having fun you know running mm-hmm. down the sidelines when there's a nice ball like like to see some more energy out of drew give me a little emotion drew love to see yeah. it i and, love that uh, i love the calm cool collected like jalen hurts how he wanted to celebrate so bad after that first down but just like no mm-hmm. staying character you're bad yep. no emotions yeah. Every once in a while, and, you know, when you see that emotion, you're like, oh, yeah, there it is. There he is. There's our guy. And welcome to the season, Nick Singleton. He found his groove mm-hmm. and had those explosive plays that we've been waiting for all season long. 
as him and Catron Allen both go for over 100 rushing yards. The runs we have all been waiting for, and it was a thing of beauty, orchestrated by Jaywan Sider and Ty Howell, who yeah, we'll get into in a little bit, will no longer be calling plays next season, but they had their nice little audition. And they, they, they did a great here we job. are at... I mean, it was Michigan State, but they did a great job with the play calling, I would say. Really balanced. For sure. A lot of motion, a lot of disguising different sets that we were going to run. I, 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 I think they did a great job. Mm-hmm. Especially after that Rutgers game. Yeah, absolutely. And again, here we are. Number 10 in the final CFP rankings pre-bowl matchup. So Penn State finds themselves in the weeks leading up to December 30th when they'll head to Atlanta to play in the Peach Bowl, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. The gauntlet, the gauntlet of New Year's Six Bowls. That's pretty cool. That's pretty the gauntlet, cool. baby. We don't have a playoff, but we might have the gauntlet of New Year's, New Year's <laughs> Six Bowls. That's kind of cool. That just got me That just got me psyched again. <laughs> there we go. Whatever it takes, baby. I'm psyched. Ten-win season, give me it for the gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> and Penn State opens as the early three-and-a-half-point favorite. Lane Kiffin and his Ole Miss Rebels. So Lane Kiffin's going for a little bit of history as well as Ole Miss is looking for their first 11-win season in that program's history. So they'll definitely be vying for something. And the story of this matchup will be... Their history? In the history of Ole Miss football have never reached 11 wins. That's insane. So in this age of college football, in this age of non- college football playoff bowl matchups. Obviously, the story will always be who's opting out, who's going to be playing this game. But I think a lot of eyes on this matchup, a lot of folks excited about this matchup, and I think a lot of guys will be locked in, ready to go in this one. Uh, I wouldn't expect too many opt-outs, but obviously we got some weeks leading up to this. Mm-hmm. And this could be the premier bowl matchup, not named the uh, one of the two college football playoff matchups. Uh, I could argue Florida State, Georgia might be a little more important just because if Florida State does beat Georgia, you can just look at the committee and be like, mm-hmm. what's up? You guys messed up big time. Should have put us in there. We could have given Michigan a run for their money, you know? Mm-hmm. So with all the hoopla and everyone roaring about that, I'm on the side of yes. Florida did exactly at the beginning of the season what you tell a team to do. We go undefeated, we win our conference, we're going to the Final Four. However, that factor, of if you don't have that quarterback, you're not the same team. And granted, their defense is lights out. One of the best in the country. That's why they got to number four, where they got to. But you take away a crucial element like that, it does change things and do you really want to put a Florida State team at number four playing Michigan who's going to be like a minus 22 favorite you know against the backup quarter you know it, it, I feel for Florida State I really do like mm-hmm. it sucks but it it makes it makes sense competitive wise it makes sense it it's hard and I think they probably looked at years past when they put in teams that you know, won their conference and were deserving. You look at the previous Washington team to make that playoff. I think Jake Browning was the quarterback when they got absolutely obliterated. You had the Michigan State team that made that college football playoff. I think with Connor Cook, got absolutely waxed. 
against Alabama. I think that score was 41 to nothing. So that definitely played a role. This one, definitely see both sides of it. It's, it's hard because, yes, Alabama beat Georgia and kind of earned that spot in there. But you look at a week prior to that where they literally li- were living on a prayer and that prayer was answered on a fourth and forever yeah. against an Auburn team who had gotten absolutely obliterated by a very bad New Mexico State team. So I think there's arguments to both sides. Definitely feel for those Florida State kids. and. I think for Jordan Travis and that injury obviously was very unfortunate, but he's definitely got a case, not even a finalist for the Heisman. I don't, I don't think he actually deserves the Heisman, but the statement being made there is, Hey, if he's that important to that team, he should have at least been a Heisman finalist and he wasn't, but yeah, that that was another thing I was to bring up. How is he not a finalist? If you're Mm -hmm. taking him out because of this one guy, isn't he one of the most outstanding players in college football? Mm-hmm. You literally had to make your decision off one guy, and he's not going to be a finalist. Yeah, just stats and then whatever. Mm-hmm. Kind of pissed the committee right now. I'm so glad this is the last year. I think that's a common sentiment around college football pundits. Mm-hmm. Not that we're calling ourselves pundits, which like watch football. <laughs> um, what is so? All the balls were announced. I look through them all as I always do. Start highlighting games that I'm gonna be betting heavy on. Did you have any that stood out when you were looking at them besides the final four? And like, you know. I did. And again, not to mention again, but in this day and age in college football, in the age of opt-outs, obviously players looking forward to their their future and potential NFL draft position and trying to preserve themselves and not get injured in a non-college football playoff bowl. It's it's hard to kind of gauge who's going to play in what bowl. So kind of surfacing Twitter and seeing who's opting out, who's foregoing their eligibility and entering the draft. And one that really caught my eye, and you're going to laugh at this one, is one that I circled and said, hey, I think there's going to be a lot of guys in this matchup that are locked in and, and playing. And I'm looking at the Citrus Bowl, our favorite squad, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Oh, they're in the Citrus Bowl. <laughs> you know that's the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl now. It is it. it. The respect it deserves. Is the, the Cheez-It Bowl gone? Citrus Bowl, which makes no sense at all. The Cheez-It <laughs> Citrus Bowl. <laughs> totally opposite, but whatever. <laughs> Good for Cheez-It. That was one of my favorite bowls of all time, the Cheez-It Bowl. R.I.P. to the Cheez-It Bowl. Five years of awesome memories. I will never forget them, ever. I think the Florida State, I forget who, Florida State, Louis, no, 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 it wouldn't have been Louisville. Maybe Kentucky, I'm thinking of. Mm -hmm. Florida State, Kentucky, one of the all-time bets um, I've ever made. I will forever be grateful to the Cheez-It Bowl, which is now the Pop-Tart Bowl. Could be my new favorite all of a sudden. Another great snack. Keep cranking out heaters, dude. That bowl, whoever <laughs> has that bowl, uh, branding, cranking out heaters. <laughs> Every five years, they just find a new brand. They're just like, yep, Pop-Tarts, come on in. Could be Rice Krispies next. We shall see. But uh, I do like this Rice matchup. I, th- I think 
I think Iowa's defense, it's another good test for them. They didn't stand up to the test against Michigan. Neither did that offense, as many expected, with the team total in the Big Ten total game of six and a half. And they scored zilch. But I think it's a cool opportunity for them to venture outside of the Big Ten against a premier SEC opponent. Again, I think there's going to be a lot of guys in this matchup, so it should be pretty close to their their regular season products. And I'm looking forward to see how Iowa measures up against the SEC. And you want to see Big Ten get a win here, and we'll see how they how they fare. Yeah, it's weird how as soon as the regular season ends, it's like, all right, let's go Big Ten. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I love you, Iowa. Let's win. Come on. <laughs> Especially ones against the SEC. Yeah, so going back to um, what you said before about people opting out, looking ahead to next year, to the big expansion of the Big Ten, I don't know what they're going to call it. Have they given it a name? Are they sticking with Big Ten, even though they're sticking with the Big Ten, baby? Is there 18 teams now in it? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Still the Big Ten. Anyway, I'm looking forward we have USC on the schedule next year, correct? Mm-hmm. At USC. Caleb Williams, off to the NFL, probably going to be the number one pick. So they play Louisville, who is no slouch behind Jack Plummer. Mm-hmm. Um, and the starter for USC will be Miller Moss, who is a sophomore from L.A., who we're probably going to see next year. So we're going to be keeping my eye on him, doing a little scouting, seeing what gets him rattled, what gets him out of the pocket. And, I mean, I can include all the other Pac-12 teams coming into the Big Ten, but I'm just interested to see them play, see their style one final time before Mm -hmm. it all comes together, which is going to be just an absolute blast. Definitely. But I want to hear your thoughts on this because I know you got some some deep knowledge. You went to the depths to find some knowledge on this guy. Penn State's new offensive coordinator. And like you mentioned when we were talking before the podcast, we hired Mandy Diaz, I think, right before the Outback Bowl, was it? Mm-hmm. So it's like sort of same situation. So I think Franklin did have his eye on this guy. Yeah, I I think the right out the gate, it was like, oh, wait a minute. Who, who's this guy? You definitely got someone that came out of the woodworks that I know for me, my, myself, I didn't have on you know the short list. Mm-hmm. But after seeing once they announced the hire or the rumors started to spill out the overwhelming reception of the hire on Twitter and all over the internet definitely gave you that boost of confidence that you want to have anyone from Dan Orlovsky to, you know, well-respected college football analysts all around the country calling it a slam dunk hire, great hire, uh, absolute great go get by Franklin. I think those are all the things that you want to hear. And then as you start to dig in, and looking at some of the threads and then going back and looking at some of that Kansas Jayhawk. Never thought you would find yourself watching Kansas Jayhawk football film, but 
the and even Kansas being a good football team, like yeah, ten years ago they were so irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And I think they were him and uh, they're the head coach of Kansas. Right home. Yeah, yeah, they were at Buffalo, I believe. Yeah, so they've been coaching together for the last 11 years, starting in the D3 ranks at Wisconsin Whitewater, and then have continued to climb. So it's going to be a sick duo. Yeah, it's going to be a change. So, I mean, working with a guy for 11 years and then jumping ship. uh, But this was one where I think he had a partnership between Franklin and Pat Kraft, where they ponied up the dough to go get the guy that, franklin wanted and that they felt that this program needed so they haven't announced it officially but the rumor mill and all the sources are indicating that this was a well first it was a seven hundred thousand seven hundred thousand dollar buyout with kansas that was in his contract that if he was hired uh for that same role at another school so right out the gate chump change for those colleges yeah so right out the gate shelling out 700k and the report is that it's a four-year deal worth $1.6 million next season. And by the time they get to 2027, his contract will be up to $2 million. Holy Wrong line of business. God. So that's a that's big-time money for a coordinator. Uh, but Franklin was on the search for a head coach of his offense. And I think when you hear that, little things have started to come out about what they weren't getting from Yursich and kind of his overall demeanor and what he was like within the program, a little bit more reserved. But I think what you're getting with Cuddle Nicky is you're getting those explosive plays that we've been lacking. And you saw spurts of it with Yursich, but he's shown at every level that he's able to do it. Uh, so Kansas in the last two seasons has averaged seven yards per play, uh, which is only behind Oregon, LSU, USC, Georgia, and Washington. Some in, heavy hitters. Some heavy hitter offensive schemes. If you had to uh, guess who was the fifth team in that, no one would guess Kansas. No, no, no not in a million years. And from a points per game standpoint, they've averaged 34.6 points per game the last two seasons. Uh in 2022, uh, so not this season, but prior season, they had 85 plays of 20 plus yards, which was eighth most in division one. And then this season they averaged 9.4 yards per pl- uh per passing attempt and five and a half yards per rush, which were both good for eighth in division one in both categories. And then the other key one that we were just absolutely abysmal on this year, especially in those two big games, was third downs. Kansas ranked seventh and thirteenth uh, in Division One on third down conversion rate in 2022 and 2023. So he's got a proven track record. Uh, runs a multiple scheme, so a lot of different looks. And his kind of mantra and his his. Uh, Kind of demeanor is a lot of pre-snap motion and movement to confuse the defense. Okay. Uh, a lot of his schemes and kind of plays uh, from a lot of football, NFL, and college football analysts have, have shown that it's been picked up by NFL offenses as well. So he's an incredibly intelligent guy whose wow. schemes work at all levels. 
Uh, and the cool thing as well is, especially at Kansas, he ran a dual QB concept where they had Jason Bean and Jaden Daniels. Uh, so when you think of Drew Aller and Bo Perbula, yeah. What he was able to do at Kansas with those two guys is absolutely peanuts compared to what we tried to do this year with some of those bow packages. So exciting to see that uh, next year. And ultimately, I think my my overall kind of review of this hire is the more that you look into it and the more that you look at the stats and his proven track record, not to mention, didn't even get to mention that he was awarded the 24-7 Sports Offensive Coordinator of the Year this year. Oh, and- wow. He was really sought after by a number of different programs. So I think the fact that Penn State was willing to go to the table with a hefty offer and get this guy, I think is huge. The willing that he, you know, his want to take that offer, um, I think was huge as well. And I am, I couldn't be more excited about the potential of this offense. It kind of reminds me of Moorhead back in 2016. I know Mm -hmm. we had mentioned Moorhead as a potential uh, rehire for this role. Uh, but this is something new, and I think all the different schemes, and like I said, pre-snap motions, all that stuff that we haven't seen, uh, is really exciting. And I think it's got it should have a lot of the recruits and the current players excited as well of what this offense could be. Yeah, I mean, just what he's done at Kansas. Like mm-hmm. I remember, I think it was the twenty twenty one season, or maybe a second season, twenty twenty two, where they were just put. It was like you saw the scores. 56 points by Kansas, 60 points by Kansas. It's like, what is going on here? Like, yeah. Who's, who's get, cashing out money to Kansas to their football mm-hmm. team? And this year, they started 4 0 for the mm-hmm. second straight time and um, beat a top 10 ranked team for the first time since 1984 with that win over Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And it was their first one over Oklahoma since 1997. So these two obviously are just like yin and yang, or not yin and yang, because that's opposites. They're bonded brothers. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see, yeah, definitely how he splits off from uh, Lance. But I do think that Franklin just, you know, stepping back and being like, hey, Offense is yours, treat it like it's your team, basically, is the way to go for James Franklin, because I don't want him anywhere near the playbook, please. <laughs> Stay away from that. <laughs> Just stick to recruiting yeah. and doing your job, because you're doing it pretty well so far. Mm-hmm. So, we will now move. Sorry, I just lost the doc. You don't see anything else on him? No, I think the biggest thing is just going back to the the most telling stats for me, because when you think of Big 12, you usually just think air raid, no defense, gunslinger, quarterbacks throwing the ball 60 times a game. But I think those numbers with the passing, the yards per passing attempt and yards per rush, the fact that he was top 10 in both of those categories – and mm-hmm. the other key thing that Franklin mentioned is that he's got a proven track record of adapting his schemes and the offense to the actual personnel and talent. So I think Love he's going to have a uh, a great opportunity, similar to what Manny had for the defense, but this time with the offensive side of the ball, these weeks leading up to the Peach Bowl. 
and really using that as he's going to basically just be in an observatory role and just getting to know the players, getting to sit in some of the meetings and then just hit like the ground man. running in January and be able to work with what he's got, what he has. And he's best known for being able to get guys comfortable and in space and in the ability to make plays. So to to think of the opportunities that of what he can do with guys like Nick Singleton, Katron Allen, and what he can do with with Drew Aller and getting him comfortable in some different concepts and schemes and uh, finding a way to get Bo, Bo Perbula a little bit more involved, it's, it's a, it gets you real excited and just thinking of the potential for next season. Could be dangerous. Yeah. Um, speaking of next season, you'll be without one of the pods, I would say, favorite players so far since we started it chop robinson announced that he will be foregoing the peach bowl as he heads to the nfl as a surefire first round draft pick Mm -hmm. and as we said before we're playing old miss and lane kiffin who's already starting the twitter fingers i think four weeks ahead of the game. I'm literally a yeah. month ahead of the game. Starting on Twitter, doing a little coy joke, being like, oh, so see, so sorry to see you go, like blah, blah, blah. Like saying that's a good thing for him. Mm-hmm. So I'm expecting a lot more of that as the weeks lead up to the Peach Bowl. And I think this might be like a gritty, gritty matchup mm-hmm. just because of Lane. Just because Lane Kiffin loves to mix it up. Yeah. And is a crazy man. <laughs> <laughs> but other than Chop, he's we're also losing his running mate on the other side, Adisa Isaac, who he had one of the best stretches of Penn State edge rushers that I've seen in quite some time down the stretch of this season. We're also losing another one of the key members of our defense, part of that secondary faceless defense johnny dixon as well as another like the faceless defense you point to this guy curtis jacobs some tough tough losses there on defense but we do have some great underclassmen that can fill in for them on defense offensively Losing center, Hunter Norzad, which, you know, sucks. But I do think we can improve on the interior of the offensive line. So I'm excited to see what some of the underclassmen, the five-star recruits that we got, the highly recruited guys are going to step up and, you know, show what they can do. And lastly, Dante Cephas came in for only one year as a senior transfer but made his mark towards the end of the season. And speaking of him coming in as a senior transfer, the portal has opened, and it's already beginning to suck people in. Yeah. Ohio Ohio State quarterback, Kyle McCord, in the portal. Oklahoma quarterback Dylan Gabriel in the portal Penn State I believe only has two as of right now Christian Driver 
the son of Donald Driver, which is a shame to see him leave the program. And punter Alex Pachetta, who was beaten out by Riley Thompson for that punter spot. So with that, Penn State's already reached out to some players who have entered the transfer portal. And I'm looking at some names here. Dave, do you have any that stand out to you? Because I'm looking at one and chomping at the bit. Yeah, I think for me, I think the obvious need for this uh, portal run or portal window, I think it's wide receiver. So for Kotelnicki and Marcus Higgins, uh, I think it's important to get that Kotelnicki hire done, signed, sealed, delivered now, right before National Signing Day. And while you have uh, this 30-day portal window open, um, so he'll have the opportunity to, to kind of help recruit some of these guys into that new system. But I think when you look at Donovan McCauley, he's a Big Ten foe. Uh, already has that Big Ten experience, showing that he can produce, uh, especially against Penn State. But a big body, six foot five. Um, you were hoping to get that big body target with Malik McLean this year. He showed some glimpses, uh, but I think with another year in the program, he'll have you know an opportunity to develop. But I think bringing another guy in with that type of frame, that type of size, who has shown that he can produce in the Big Ten already, I think would be a huge get. Uh, another guy that's out there, a couple other receivers that are out there in the portal that haven't confirmed offers from Penn State, but also out of the Big Ten. You got Deion Burks from Purdue, who's got the attention of a lot of not just Big Ten, but just national perennial programs. So that'll definitely be a dogfight to try to get a guy like that into the program. Uh, but I think it's it's nice to see that how obvious it is that they need a wide receiver and that they're they're going after it. So that's Seems oh, yeah. obvious, like, duh, but it is comforting to know that, hey, they recognize that, hey, we need some wide receivers in this room because the talent didn't progress like we would have hoped this season, and they're going out and addressing it right out the gate. Yeah, love to see that. Um, the name I was looking at, Ohio State wide receiver Julian Fleming. He has one year left of eligibility and seems like every time we play them, he never really has a big game, but he always comes up in a moment where you're like, please, we, they can't get this first down. It's like, oh, Julian Fleming catches the out route for the first down. And you're like, he still plays? Like, what the hell? So I would be so pumped if we got him. And would be an interesting story, too, with him having been the number one overall recruit in PA and decided – had an offer from Penn State and elected to choose Ohio State because he had claimed back in 2019 that the the program was disorganized. Uh, I don't want him anymore. Never mind. Forget it. Hey, everyone deserves a second chance. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're when right. you need talent, you, you are turn right. the other way and bring them on in. You're right. Give him a second chance. Thanks for putting me straight. Gotcha. But back to McCulley. So 6'5", 200 pounds. They didn't, Indiana didn't have a passing offense this year. They threw for a, a total of 2,000, over, just over 2,000 yards, mm -hmm. which is insane. He had 48 catches for 644 and six tutties. Second place to him was 
27 receptions. So he was just their go-to. Everyone knew it when they played him, and he still managed to put up those kind of numbers. I mean, if him or Fleming come to Penn State, I'll do a little dance for joy and put it on Twitter <laughs> if people want, Likewise. To, want to see that. Um, one last thing I want to put out there. Um, with our interior, we've talked about that. That's kind of gotten solidified as the season went on. We definitely, you know, held teams. We were one of the best run defenses in the league. But we did reach out to Duke's defensive tackle, Aeneas Peebles, 6'1", 286. He has a PFF grade of 84.4, which is the eighth best out of all defensive tackles in college football. So that would be a huge get just to add that defensive line. Kind of pulling a Philadelphia Eagles move and just loading up that defensive line, rotation, yeah. rotation fresh bodies, getting to the quarterback. And we're not going to play, you know what, play the theme song. So, it is with my great honor as a two-time Big Ten betting bonanza champion to bestow this wonderful trophy to David Barron, a.k.a. the Croatian Bear. His final stats... 22 and 14 this year, betting Big Ten football, 36 bonanza points. That is a record because we didn't do the Big Ten uh, championship. Mm-hmm. So I officially have to ship this 10 pound dumbbell somehow to Dave. <laughs> <laughs> we can get little markings going around the outside, I guess, writing them down. Catch it in the years in the winter. But yeah, you will now be seeing this on Dave's side of the Zoom, which I'm not excited about. I didn't finish 500, did not accomplish my goal. I went 15, 20, and one. Good for 20 points. Not my best season, but what I promise you. All my fans that follow my picks, which is my brother, I think, and my dad. <laughs> so two people. All two of you. I will get better. I will get better next year. I'm going to study what I did wrong this year. Finally going to do a full spreadsheet where everyone can see all the picks, see where I've been a doofus, see where Dave's been a genius. And I'm guaranteeing I win next year. In fact, I'm so sure I'm going to win next year. I'm putting $100 on the table. Ooh! Betting Bonanza 2024. How do you like that? I will match that. Let's do it, baby. Let's do it, baby. All righty. <laughs> well, this is our final regular season episode. Like Dave said, we will be previewing the Peach Bowl. 
later as that's months or months away weeks away but in the meantime season number two of the wow awards will be going on we would absolutely love it if you guys could send us clips send us your nominee for best catch best run best block uh best interception we have the whole list out on our twitter going to put it on our Instagram as well. So we definitely want your guys' voices heard on that. And just want to thank you guys once again for another phenomenal season. I know I kind of got sour pushed in the beginning being like Penn and Perry going to another New Year's Six Bowl. But now that I know we can accomplish the New Year's Six Bowl gauntlet, who can say that? How many teams can say that? after all this and then 2024 the 12 team playoff which is where penn state benefits so so much so so much Mm -hmm. so looking forward to next year once again thank you all for tuning in however you do it on social media podcasts just listen to us talk penn state football we absolutely love it we hope you do too. And this is Matt Martellucci signing off one last time for the regular season. Thanks, guys.